Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christo. Please be seated. Unless you take up your cross and come follow me, you cannot be my disciple. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the Feast of St. John Kamaka's commemoration on this Sunday in Lent. His actual feast day is March the 31st. He was an ascetic, a monk. And he lived at the Holy... He didn't live at the Holy Mountain, but at Sinai, where Moses and the burning bush is. And uh, he was sort of noisy in the monastery. Children, he was noisy. So the monks told him, you know, you're too noisy here. We can't keep our hesekia, our quiet, if you're going to be talking all the time. So they put him out, and he made himself a little um, cell out on the mountain there. And if you see the cell, it's sort of odd. It looks like three rocks fell out of the, on the mountain, and he was living under one of those rocks. But he put a door in it and everything like that, little cave. And next to it is a little white chapel that he built, or somebody built. So he was out there, and he wrote the Ladder of Divine Ascent, which we read in the refectory uh, all during Great Lent at dinner. We usually read it here at dinner. We have a plan that we can get through it by the end of Lent. So some of it's pretty tough stuff, but it's about 30 or 31 or 32 steps. And these steps are to, it's a counsel for monks, but you're all supposed to be monks. You're all supposed to be living a, a disciplined life. So he wrote that out. And then finally, he, they knew he was pretty holy. So the abbot died, and they went up there, and they elected him abbot, and they brought him back to the monastery at Sinai. They probably figured after all that time, the Lord must have taught him a lot, and then they wanted to hear his message. And so we too want to hear his message, especially during Great Lent. And so we read that book every day at, here in the monastery at dinner time. What John is teaching us is to control our passions and to be prayerful. Now, you've heard me preach before. You know, you cannot say you're a Christian and not pray and fast. And it's in the whole Christian world, except maybe a few monasteries here and there, there's a minimalism. There's just, this, you know, lip service to these things. So uh, here in the monastery, we keep the monastic fast. Everybody's not required to do that. And the bishop puts out guidelines for the people. And I look at them every year and they're minimal. It's no wonder the church and the world is not in such great difficulty. People are not living a penitential life, which means their passions are out of control. It's only by prayer and fasting that one learns to control one's passions. Especially our young people they're encouraged to live a licentious life, especially in the schools. So it's very difficult to hope that you're going to have a pure young man or young woman. And it's even more difficult to find vocations for the monastic life. 
That's why I tell people to homeschool, save your children from being destroyed. But our state says it's for their own good that they be destroyed. Don't teach them to pray and fast and control themselves. Don't do that. They might become saints. But we don't want that. We want somebody that's taking drugs and acting up so we can control them by drugs and all these things they want to give you. Be careful. Jesus Christ him told us what's in the gospel, to take up the cross and follow me. So on the wall here we have the icon, I wrote it when I founded the monastery, of the crucified monks. And you, you see the poor monkeys on the cross, and a crown is coming for him from heaven. He lives that monastic life. He's got the great scapular on. The devils are all there. They're trying to destroy him with all the temptations you could think of. Too many. Well, people say, well, I'm entitled to uh, enjoy myself. No, you're not. You're entitled to live a holy life. If you don't enjoy living a holy life, there's something wrong with your faith. Your understanding of the gospel. Who's our example of a holy life? Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He spent hours praying with the Father. He showed us how to resist temptations when the devil tempted him in the garden. But do want to live a party life. We have the party's uh, mentality now running things. So parties cause different problems. So I know a young man just wrote me that very often people in incarceration write letters. They want things or they want something or they want to know about something. Um, not too long ago, this young man went to a party. Not this particular one, but his circumstances I don't know, but I know this other young man. He's in Walla Walla. Did he do anything particularly bad? No. But he was at a party where somebody brought a gun. And somehow nobody knows his fingerprints were not on the gun. The gun went off and somebody died. Not only that, this somebody, this boy that died, was particularly important because his father was a politician. So somebody had to be guilty. So this little fellow, this young man, and I can't judge him, wound up for 33 years at Walla Walla for going to a party where a bullet went off and somebody died. Somebody had to pay. And he was the chosen one. My father told me when I was a young man, it's hard to stay out of trouble. It's difficult to stay out of trouble. Now, I don't know what this young man did, but he says in the letter he did something, just something silly, he says. But you know, when I was in the military, young men would come in for counseling to the priest, and I would tell them this, God will always forgive you. Your mother will always love you, but you're going to prison. Because the law in the United States is blind. It doesn't know if you're a good person or bad. So this young man down in Walla Walla, he was an Orthodox Christian, and he wanted some prayer books and things like that. And he asked for them, but we were not permitted to give him these things. 
because they didn't know what was in the books. What do you think of that? Why am I telling you these stories from my uh, pastoral experience? Because I'm trying to tell, especially the young people here, they may think something's very innocent, but they can be victims of circumstances, and they can be incarcerated for life. Why did something foolish? Don't do anything foolish. Be careful your company. Well, the, the guys want to do this, the girls want to do this. No, no, no. You parents, you have children. You have to watch over them like a mother hen does her chicks. And she loses a few too. Where are you going? What are you going to do? When are you going to be back? Why are you there? I said, decent company. What book are you reading? What movie are you going to see? Do you pray? Is there an example of prayer in the house? In my grandparents' house, they were from the old country, you know. There were icons, holy pictures all over the place. And I always remember when it would come evening, uh, we weren't allowed to stay up till 10 o'clock. Everybody in the house had to be in bed at 10 o'clock. It's like the monastery. Monastery, they're supposed to be in their cell at 9.30. And at 10 o'clock, they're supposed to be in their bed. That's the honor system here. Not all the monks are as careful as that as they should be. Some are very good. So what did we do for recreation when I was coming up? Well, you could go to church, the services. And if you went to services, all the services, just not, say, say Sunday Mass. No, no, no. You get up and go to Matins, then go to the Divine Liturgy, in the afternoon, go to Vespers. Then you came home. You were special. You got ice cream. You might get a quarter to go to a movie. There used to be decent movies in those days. And you were a good boy. If you didn't do those things, you would have nothing special about you. Nothing special. Minimalism. Minimalism. Especially around my grandparents, you know. I learned my religion from my grandparents. Not that my mom and dad weren't good about it. They were busy making money. Careerists. My grandparents taught me a lot. So in the summer times, I would go stay with them a lot of times. They had a big garden. Two city lots. So they would have dinner maybe 4.30 in the afternoon. And then it was still light. We went out and we worked in the garden. Pulling weeds, planting things, taking care of the plants, carrying water, do all those things. There was no such thing as to say, I don't want to do that. Because they would tell you right away, we know what happens to children that don't do these things, and you're on the road to destruction. But what happens to them? You'll find out. Keep it up. So I went out and worked in there. I liked the garden anyway. So we get, and when it starts to get dark, we come in the house and wash up. So I would say, do we have recreation now? And they said to me, you just had your recreation. You worked in the garden this evening.
and we're going to have vegetables and things, you're going to eat it. You can eat it in the garden. So long before 10, everybody's praying. Everybody in the house. You'd see my grandparents praying, my uncle. And I didn't have to be told to pray. I knew I should pray. I remember one night I was laying down. It was still light outside. I thought, well, I could uh, do something. And, and my little grandmother says, I don't hear you praying. I said, well, well I'm, I'm praying. She says, she says, I can't hear you, neither can God. Speak up when you pray. So I spoke up. Prayer in that house was a way of life. So what happened to me? I became a priest. Worse things could happen, you know. I learned to love the liturgy, both in the Western Rite in those days and in our beautiful church. Liturgy was beautiful. Sort of shot today, but it was beautiful in those days. Not only that, they were slabs, so everything was beautiful. Flowers and processions and bells ringing. Gorgeous. We had 32 Catholic parishes in the one city. And when the feast day came, like Corpus Christi or something like that, all the bells in the city rang. How do we embrace the cross? The cross, especially in the Byzantine church, is a thing of beauty. It's the way to conquer sin. Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, conquered sin. He set us free. That's why all the crosses in the Eastern Church are always beautiful. And the church in the Holy Table, in the, in the cathedral, one side has the suffering cross, at Easter, we turn it around, and on the other side has the resurrected cross. In every Eastern Christian, when you bury them, you put the cross in their hand, the key to heaven. That bearing that cross and all the suffering it may entail brings glory. And that glory will get you through the royal doors of heaven. I've been reading the Catholic epistles in the back of the New Testament during Lent. It's so explicit how to tell us how to live. Especially Paul and his buddies there. They're always admonishing us. You know, don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus Christ. Be part of the Christian community. Go to the Eucharist. The prayers. Edify each other with songs, praises, psalms, and hymns. It's right there in the Bible. The apostolic witness. You know, when you write a letter, you say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, and the fellow Holy Spirit be with you. That's from the Bible. That's a greeting to put in a letter at the beginning when you start your letter. Do you empty, stop your letter with something edifying for you, who you're writing to? Where is your mind? Well, I worked all week. I got to go enjoy myself. I got to do this. I got to do that. You got to prepare for the Sunday liturgy. 
you have to prepare the family. If you have a family, if you're a single person, it's more difficult because you don't have that family support that you need. But you have your pastor here, you have the monks, you can watch them, what do they do? To embrace the cross for Christians is to embrace the liturgical life of the church where the cross is celebrated and to live by a good conscience, the teaching of the fathers, and sacraments. That's St. John Climacus is telling us. In many, many more words, in many, many steps. Of course, he had to go out and live under a rock to figure that out. Not all of us are going to have that kind of a grace in our life. But Jesus says to us, Be you holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Is that possible? Only if the life of grace abounds in us, the divine energy, that we become incorporated in the life of the Holy Trinity, and we can say, like the Apostle Paul, not I live, but Christ lives in me. For me to live is Christ. That's your vocation. How beautiful. We're at the middle of Lent. Maybe you haven't kept a good Lent. You still have half of it to go through. You can still pray and fast. You can still come to liturgy if you can during the week. Well, we don't have much liturgy during Lent, but we have services. You can do the kneeling prayers in the evening with the children when you do the rosary. The prayers that we say at every service during Lent in Eastern Church. We have to be serious about our faith and where we want to go. It's not a party. Jesus Christ did not say, take up your cross and come back a party. We have to be like he. He suffered on the cross to free us from the slavery of sin, to free us from original sin, to feed us on the Blessed Sacrament, to give birth to the church from Messiah when the blood came out. Now, I know I'm an extremist. I'm a Christian. That's my way of life. I may not be the best Christian, only God knows that. But I want to exhort you to be the best Christian you can be by really embracing the cross like the monks do. And live a holy life in a holy house with holy people. They edify each other because living with them in the church is grace in itself. It's a gift. If everybody embraces the cross, prayer fasting, almsgiving, supporting the church, praying the union of the church, living a liturgical life, I think you're going to have the cross, a beautiful cross in your hands, which you've made with your good work. And with that cross, you will go to the doors of the heavenly kingdom and they will open for you. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.